In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On Christmas Day, I opened a present from some friends in Chicago. And when I opened it, my face must have been so hilarious that my whole family just about collapsed in laughter. Because I pulled out of this box a quite expensive gift. Really nice. Just not anything I would ever want. <laughs> or would ever use. And I was stunned. I, it was so nice. What do you do with a precious gift that you don't really want? And that, I'm afraid, is the theme for today, the first Sunday after Christmas. In both Paul's letter to the Galatians and in that great poetic prologue to John's Gospel, God is the great giver, and the gift is grace. And it's just like that epic hymn says. It's nothing short of amazing. All your failures and infractions are wiped away as if they never happened. We don't get what we deserve in the economy of grace. Instead, we get love and acceptance, blessing and embrace. Amazing grace. And yet, when we open this gift this morning and hold it up, our faces give us away because it's not really a gift we want, precious though it is. What to do with a stupendous gift that you don't really need? And if I could offer an answer to that question, it is this. Just wait. One day, you will need grace, God's grace, the grace of someone you love. And then it will be so beautiful as to break your heart. But in the meantime, for now, most of us will take a pass. It's just not a gift that we need. Grace, as you know, is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And we live, very proudly, in a meritocracy. You get what you earn. You get ahead based solely on your merits. Grace is just the opposite of that. 
God overlooks your demerits. All of your shortcomings, your faults, your big, whopping screw-ups, and gives you the gift anyway. Imagine that. But do we really want something like that? I mean, we all know what we like if we lived in a world where people got what they didn't deserve. You know, if you got the prize, even if you didn't win, even if you didn't measure up, even if you didn't hit the mark, right? the whole reward and punishment system would come apart. Imagine telling your children, no, you don't need to study. You don't need to achieve. You don't need to excel. You don't need to work hard. You're going to get the reward anyway. It'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? We need order. We need reward for hard work, don't we? We need discipline. We need, that is, the law. And that's just, just as it should be. Because when you read St. Paul in that letter to Galatians, he says that in the beginning, before Christ came, bringing grace, he said we needed the law. So you need this. These are all good things. We needed the law. He says, therefore, the law was our disciplinarian. So we need that discipline, huh? Was our disciplinarian. So the law sets the mark and says, this, this is the bar that marks the perfect life, pleasing to God. This is the mark where you get everything right. And you must hit it. And in the beginning, at least, all of us, like good little boy and girl scouts, we go for that mark. We keep the law. We try to live the perfect life. Have you noticed? To do everything right. Oh, we know that it's never been done before. No one has ever turned in a perfect human score. Uh, but, you know, every, everybody sort of starts off thinking, you know, I know that, but I've, with me, I think it just could be different. I might really be able to just pull this off. And in Paul's terms, that's, that's beautiful, that's fine. That's the disciplinarian stage he's talking about. And it's critical. You have to gather all your moral rectitude and attempt to live the perfect life. At least to outward appearances. Because as you know, the whole law game, you know, you, you're not punished, you don't get dinged if you don't get caught. So as long as you're clever enough to cover up all of your mistakes and your moral turpitude, you, you're still in line for a perfect score. Which is, which is why we really prefer the law. We're pretty clever. It's working pretty good. 
So you live like this for, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. And, and your moral trophy case is really getting full now. And everyone, except your family, thinks you're wonderful. <laughs> but you go to bed one night, and you can't sleep, and you lie there remembering what that great French essayist Montaigne said. There is no man, he wrote, there is no man so good who were he to submit all of his thoughts and actions to the laws would not deserve hanging ten times in his life. And in that moment, lying there, you have a deep sense of remorse, maybe even shame. You spent all those years trying to look good, pretending to be something on the outside that you knew you couldn't support from the inside. You lie there thinking about all of the people that you neglected or even betrayed along the way, people you were given to love. And in that moment, all of your trophies and accomplishments seem very hollow and really just unreal. And you know, lying there, that there's no way you can go back and undo things done and left undone. And the only thing that will save you now is grace. This person lying there, this is the one for whom Christ was born. The broken woman, the broken man. For this person, John writes, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. And to this person, the gift of pure grace at Christmas arouses unspeakable joy. But what about the rest of us who aren't yet at that broken spot? Just wait. One day, if you're very lucky, you will need God's grace. Just wait.